Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Praise God. Welcome to the house of the Lord. It's a good day here today. Well, as Kenny said, I am Mauricio Chiriboga. And um, a pastor came to me last minute, Thanksgiving Day, and this is literally how it went down. I was sitting down watching TV. We were having a good Thanksgiving. We just ate. Pastor's already taken off to Nicaragua. We already said bye. And pastor comes up to me and says, hey, Mauricio, preaching Sunday. All right, good. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> all right, then. So, so, yeah. But, you know, I've had this thing on my heart for a while now that God's been showing me uh, ever since I stepped into FIU. Uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in college now. I'm, I'm majoring in biology, and, uh, but I'm also in the honors college. And this honors college, let me tell you, they try to find every possible thing to teach you to make you question what you believe. And it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and, and ever since the first day, they just start bombarding you and bombarding you with all these things um, that, that, like, you know, as a Christian, you look up and you're like, wait a second. No, that, that's, that's not me. And um, so God's put this on my heart. It's something that, that's been very evident in my life. And um, today I want to talk about uh, the purpose that we have in God. So the title today is World Changing Purpose. And real quick before we start, um, of course, I want to just give thanks to God real quick in the word of prayer, especially for this last week that we had, you know, this Thanksgiving week. You know, it's a time that, that it's, it's special, and, and, it's, and it's specifically special for us here living in this country that actually sets apart a day so that we can get together and thank God. There's no other country that does that. And, and just for that fact that we have the ability to set apart a day to be thankful is already so much reason to be grateful. And I shared something real quick yesterday. Uh, Kenny asked me to, to come up real quick during Living Stones and just share a, a quick word. And, and I feel it's something that we can all benefit out of. And it's, it's you know, something that God put on my heart um, earlier this week. And, and it's the fact that we have it so good here is ridiculous. And, and the fact that we let our minds get consumed with complaints and our, we let our minds get consumed with, with you know, doubts is, is crazy. And, and this is just something that God just told me, you know, there's people out there that don't even have 1% of what you have. And we did this REACH event um, on Friday. We, we got together, the whole youth group, and we got together with, a, with an orphanage called His House. And all those kids came in, and man, you should have seen the look on those kids' faces when they saw all of us. They were greeting us, hugging us. They were super happy just to be there. And, and those kids, you know, growing up as orphans, they don't get that kind of love. So, so then that, that causes us to reflect right now this whole Thanksgiving a week that just passed on God's faithfulness to us in our lives and, and the fact that we have it so good here and we still sometimes decide, oh, no, I'm not going to go to church today. 
because the pastor doesn't tell enough jokes. Or I'm not going to go to church today because last time the worship team played terribly. Or I'm not going to go to church today because the person that sat next to me smelled terrible. When there's people in China that would give anything just to be able to meet in a four-walled place where they can worship their God freely. They have to meet out in the jungle, sitting on grass, sitting on rocks, fleeing from persecution. And we're here complaining. And then, you know, we have these, these pastors go over there and they tell them, no, you, you know, the church in, in the United States, the people get mad and they just leave. And they think that's ridiculous. They laugh at us. They say, why in the world, since our job is not, uh, is not defined by the place where we are, but by who we are in Christ. So, so you know, I just want to give you that right there. Just a quick appetizer. I know pastor likes to give appetizers sometimes, but his appetizers take forever. But they're really good. But this is just a quick one. You know, live in that spirit of thanksgiving. You know, live in that spirit of thankfulness that God has given you so much. And through that, that God has given you, use it to fulfill your purpose in Christ. Amen? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and the verses that we're going to go through, I don't know if, uh, if you guys were here on Wednesday, but actually Pastor Medieros uh, went through Romans 1, and he saw it from the whole thankfulness standpoint and everything that comes forth when you're not living in that spirit of thankfulness. And that's exactly what we're going to go into today is Romans 1. And um, so title of the message, World Changing Purpose. If you have notes, make sure you jot down everything. My notes are a little bit, you know, scrambled all over the place, so it's not going to be very structural, but just write down everything I say, all right? Okay, let's pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for another day of life, God. Ask that we may live in that spirit of thankfulness, God, to you. And that through that spirit, God, you may reveal your purpose to us, God. Right now, God, I ask that you may anoint my lips, God. That I may speak not my words, God, but your words. And that you may open our hearts and open our understanding, God. So that you may reveal another one of your secrets to us, God. And I thank you so much for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so our purpose in Christ. I know that you guys just want me to go straight to it. Our purpose in Christ is this, but we got to go through a whole series of things before we get to that. And the first thing I want you guys to get is that man was not meant to live without God. You see, we have this world, right? And we live in a generation, in a place where it's consumed with understanding. It's consumed with knowledge, how much you know, getting a degree, you know, the job that you have, how you can build yourself up. But they have no purpose. And, and they have no understanding of what is the real reason that they're here on this earth and from the beginning we see it God created Adam and Eve and he would go out into the garden looking for them to fellowship with them so from the very beginning from day one our lives were meant to be in harmony unified with God you see we we weren't wired to live alone when God created us he breathed his life into us and through that, we use that to worship him, we use that to praise him, we use that to live in one spirit with him. And, and, and we, in our own nature, as being men, as being women, you know, mankind is the only creature on earth that asks why. 
You see, you have, you have dogs, you have cats, you have animals all over the place. They just go around, they just go around procreating, they go around doing what nature calls them to do. But then man takes a, takes a second and pauses. They're like, wait, what kind of world am I going to bring my child into? See, no other animal thinks about the world that they're bringing their child into. But we were created differently. We were wired differently. We were meant to ask why. We were meant to ask or where we were meant to ask these questions and God reveals it all to us right here in this word and he reveals something that no other creature on this earth has it's our identity and in Christ and in God's word is where we find our identity you see it throughout all history back in the day you would have um, these people come up and when they would identify themselves they would say oh I'm David son of Jesse and that was their identity they were a son of that person and that's how people got to know them things started getting uh, more advanced and then you came up with crazy last names like Chiriboga and then people automatically recognize you because no one else in the world has that last name and then and then you know that's your identity I'm a Chiriboga so so not only am I a Chiriboga but I have something greater than that something greater than this earthly you know title but I'm a son of the living God amen, amen? so we have, God has given us this ability to perceive the world around us and to, and to find that identity that he has placed in our lives. And, and man is so beautifully and impeccably designed and created that through that in itself, we can see that we're different. We can see that God breathed his spirit into us. You know, so we see that we're not like everything else on this earth. God made us different. He made us with a weight. He made us with something special. And somehow we've lost sight of that. We've lost sight of God's uniqueness. We, we somehow believe that we were at one point this small prokaryotic organism that went through random mutations and through natural selection was able to come into this great being and then through random mating and all these different things, we were able to evolve into this creature that we are now. And that, yeah, that sounds awesome. Okay, if you believe that, you're crazy. But I, I was made with something greater. I was made with a purpose. You see, God made those prokaryotic organisms. God made the animals. God made the plants God made the trees but then he made me he made something different he made something with value he made something with worth he made something with a purpose he made something with a plan and that's to praise his name and to give him glory in Romans 1 25 we can turn there A little while back ago, in this same honors college that I am, they asked me to write a report. And uh, one of the topics that you could choose was whether evolution and intelligent design, as they coin it, or in other words, creation, uh, could be, you know, harmonious. They could be together. And um, through this, I was able to see all these things and, and how, how people let their minds just become completely twisted. And, and you do all this research and you find out their side of the story. But there's always that little, you know, that little pincho in there. That, that little thing that they just, that bias that just calls out for an answer. That, and, and they turn that into a manner that they just, you know, 
completely blaspheme God and they have no respect towards what we believe. And, and, and in Romans 1.25, it says right there, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So you have these evolutionist ideas and they marvel. They, they can't take enough of this world. They love it. They're like, wow, look at how we have evolved from the tiniest speck to this great organism and how the chain of life has just come forth and we come out on top and they take pride in that and they take pride in their academia and they take pride in what they know. But then when it comes down to it, they have no value. They're just like that prokaryotic organism they're just like a giraffe they're just like a tree to them there's no worth there's no value there's no purpose and and this is the 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 first point in in the preaching today is how these people have become consumed and they've turned into men that live a life apart from God so um we go into Romans 1 and in this time, Paul was writing to, to the church in Rome, and just about 400 years before Paul writes this letter, you know, you have all these great philosophical minds coming up into play. You have Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, all these people coming forth, and they're, they're just, you know, imparting what they feel as knowledge. And you have these epistemological beliefs and all these things coming forth and all these ideas floating around. And information didn't travel as quickly back then, so when an idea came out, the people stuck with it. They stuck with it until a more advanced idea came out and it was able to circulate and and. And so right now, Paul is writing to this church in Rome that's being influenced, that's being hit by all these ideas, by all these philosophies, by all these false beliefs and false doctrines. And Paul is trying to stress it. You know, he's trying to, trying to speak truth into those people in the middle of those circumstances. And I read this, and I read this, and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's like Paul is talking to me. Because not only were these people alive, you know, thousands of years ago, but they're right now in the FIU campus, and they're trying to bombard me with all of their beliefs and all of their epistemology and everything. And I'm here, and I'm trying to defend myself against every attack of the enemy. And I'm here by myself, and I'm, and I'm trying so hard. And then Paul is giving me right here his solution. He gives me the description of these people. And then Paul describes them, and he tears them up. He just, like, completely bashes them. And then I read this, I'm like, ha, <laughs> So, and I look at them, I'm like, yo, this is you. Okay, let's look at, let's look at verse, um, at verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what they ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to serve to, to do these very things, but also approve those who practice them. So here we have a mind that's allowed themselves to be completely consumed by their own lusts, 
to be completely consumed by their own ideas. There's no God in them. So God says, all right, you're going you're gonna to go out. And you're going to believe these things. You're going to live your life that way. You go ahead. I want no part in it. Just like Pharaoh, when, he, when, when Aaron came out and said, let my people go. And then Pharaoh said, no, no. And then finally there was a hardening on his heart. Just the same way these people, God allowed their hearts to be hardened. And they live in this life of curse. They live in this life of deceit. And this life with no answer, with no solution, and with no purpose. And it says in verse 21 and 22 that for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. So you have these people and, and they, they boast them, about themselves, you know. They, they pride in what they've done academically. And they pride in, in, in their accomplishments. And, and I have professors that just come to me and they're like, yo, I wrote for Columbia University. I published with Cornell. I published with this and that and Yale and all of that. And then, you know, in their wisdom, what they coin as wise, they're actually becoming more and more foolish because they have no truth and no foundation and no value. So they willingly walk into a life of disobedience and they miss out on God's blessings. And in Deuteronomy 28, it has this list of 86 curses that just a life of disobedience and rejecting God, you know, that brings about all these curses in their lives. And I see that every single day I walk on campus, I have these people that just outright blaspheme God, outright hate his word. And they're living in that life of curse because they do not, they're not willing to let someone else orchestrate their life. So when it comes down to it, it's a pride issue. And they feel like they're too good for God, you know. They don't need God. They've, they have degrees. They have a master's. They have a doctorate. They don't need a savior. They don't need someone to guide their steps. And, and this thinking is what, is what causes them to, to live a life without any purpose. To live a life completely lost. And they're blind to it. They don't even see it. So I, um, in, in my academic pursuits... Um, I, I saw this, this interview of this, the chief rabbi, uh, Jonathan Sachs, and um, he, he interviews these three atheists, and he, he goes ahead, and what he's trying to do is that same thing, trying to see if, if religion could, could mix with science, right? So, so I'm seeing this, I'm like, all right, okay, what's this going to be? But actually what I saw was something that completely blew my mind. You know, this guy comes to these three different atheists and three different times, they all agreed. They said, you know, what we believe as atheists can answer how, can answer where, can answer when, can answer what, but it cannot answer why. You see, what you have, and, and him being a Jew, you know, he, he obviously believes in God, so he has something greater. And then they tell him what you have just takes it a little step further. 
and answers why and answers why, and answers what why why am i here on this earth what is my purpose in this life and that's something that i could never get because i believe that i came from a particle of dust somewhere in the middle of the galaxy i believe that i evolved through random mutations and i believe that natural selection brought me here but there is no purpose for me to be here so what's the point of me being on this earth so that's what God wants us to get out of this is that you know all these people they may think they have it up here but in reality we have so much more you know we have the truth we have the word of God we have Christ himself edified through through a word right here before our very own eyes and I, I came across this quote that just blew my mind. So I had to do some research about it. It's actually a Christian guy that he, he went ahead and, and he, he, you know, researched about uh, what atheists believe about their lives. And, and he wrote a book about it. And uh, the final solution, the final statement from an atheist that he got is, if there is no God, then man and the universe are doomed. Like prisoners condemned to death, we await our unavoidable execution. There is no God, and there is no immortality. And what is the consequence of this? It means that life itself is absurd. It means that the life we have is without ultimate significance, value, or purpose. They have no hope. They have no purpose. They have no solution to look forward to. And through this, we see that the bottom line, the boundary between a righteous man that walks with God and a man that walks without God is the purpose. The purpose that they're here on this earth for. So finding your purpose in God. And, and, and the next point is life with God. So we looked at the life without God. We looked at being desolate, being ashamed, being naked, being, having no solution, no purpose, no value. But now we're going to look at the other side. The other side, the people who were redeemed by his spirit. The people who accepted him and through that found their purpose and found life in what he gave them. And finding the purpose is not as hard as everyone thinks it is. It's not some revelation that you get in the middle of the woods. It's not you have to be drowning and then God finally reveals it to you and then like he gives you strength so you come back up and then you discover your purpose. You know, God makes it clear there's, there's nothing that God hasn't told us already in this book. This book has every solution that we need. It has every answer that we need. God has given it all to us right here. And, and, and you know, God kind of gives us this really quick, really simple just purpose that he just instills on our lives. And, and it's, not, it's not like what parents do with their kids, that you have, you have these kids and, and the parents automatically classify them. Like I know that Kenny, as soon as his kids came out, he's like baseball player, baseball player, baseball player, baseball player. Or, you know, and, and, and if you see it, and, and I, my family obviously loves to have children every five seconds. So, so when, when Benjamin was born, you know, he's coming up here and he's hitting the table like this. And then, and then everyone's like, oh, my goodness, he's going to be a drummer, yes. Or Benjamin would be like, ah, like, oh, he's going to be a pastor. He's going to be a worshiper, yes. And then we, 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 get, we get consumed by these ideas. But that's not what God gives us. God gives us a simple solution, and it's found in Romans 8, 28. 
So we're going to read it real quick, and then we're going to come back to something else. Romans 8.28 And we know that in all things God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. I'm going to go into that right now. But real quick, I'm going to introduce something to you that just completely strengthened my faith and completely, it was God just like telling me straight up, look, you have it so much better. You know, you have a solution. You have this answer that these people study 40 years of their life to find. So I had to read this book right here. It's called, What Does It All Mean? by Thomas Nagel. It's a very short introduction to philosophy. And, and so, you know, it was required by FIU, and I had to read it, and I went through it. I underlined, I highlighted, and everything. And this is kind of what I shared on Thursday, I mean on, on Wednesday, that it, it was pretty much mostly in this book. Every single chapter I would read, and, and let me just give you some, some names of the chapters. Uh, how do we know anything? Other minds, the mind-body problem, the meaning of words, free will, right and wrong, justice, death, and the meaning of life. So I would read all these things. I'm like, man, I'm really interested to know what these guys think about this stuff. You know, like, you know, these guys are obviously atheists, so I want to see what they think. But every single time I came to the end of the chapter, all they would say is, you know, I give you these facts, but in reality, I don't know anything. So, so let me read to you real quick. The final words in this book. Um, okay, so the final, the final chapter is the meaning of life and, and, and what it is, why we're here on this earth, which obviously these people don't have any idea, but they try to solve it, right? So some people find this attitude, attitude perfectly satisfying. Others find it depressing. Uh, they're talking about uh, the fact that there is no meaning to life, that, that, you know, we're just here for no reason, so we just have to accept it. And then they go on to say, many human efforts, particularly those in the service of serious ambitions, rather than just comfort and survival, get some of their energy from a sense of importance, a sense that, you, that what you are doing is not just important to you, but important in some, large, in some larger sense, important, period. So we're like, okay, we're getting somewhere. You know, some people actually believe that some, that some things are important. You know, that it's important to live life the way that we, we think we should. And then, uh, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but it just pretty much says, um, well, you know, some people believe that it's important, but we can't prove that with science. So, sorry, but science can prove a lot of other things, you know. That was the end of the book. I promise you. I read the last chapter, and I'm just like... Like, I just, I literally spend, like, like well, I spend a long time reading it. I'm not a very fast reader. But it was, like, a hundred and something pages. And I read the whole thing. And at the end, I'm just like, are you serious? Like, I just wasted so much time that I could have been doing something else. And they have no answer and no solution for me. I, don't, I just wanted to know what they thought. I wasn't going to accept their beliefs. But they didn't even give me something. So I'm like, this is ridiculous. So then I got, I, I, I had to find out, you know, really, the, the real purpose, the real purpose that Christ has put us on this earth, and that's going, us, going back to Romans 8, and if we go to Romans 8, 23 and 25, it says, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, 
grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption to sonship, the redemption of our body. So we're talking about, you know, finally the day where we get to be in heaven with Jesus Christ. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for that that they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. So uh, here, here uh, Paul is talking about, you know, we're waiting. In this life, we're, this is kind of like, you know, the, the transition phase. We were born, and now we're waiting until that more glorious life with Jesus Christ. And I'm like, you know, okay, yes, that's good. Uh, we're living in a transition phase, and of course I want to see Jesus. Of course I want to get to that point. But why am I here? What, what like, if, if, this is just a preparation phase, then have me prepare in my mother's womb. I don't need to go and grow up. Just take me to heaven right away. But then God doesn't, uh, he doesn't even hesitate. And he gives us in verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So our purpose in this life is twofold. Number one, to make ourselves completely as much like Christ as we can, to be a mirror image of God, to accept that calling and, and use that Holy Spirit that God has given us that's just waiting to explode, that's just waiting to come out and make it become so real in our lives that the second part becomes true, that everyone who sees us sees a mirror image of Christ and through that they make Christ their number one, they make Christ their firstborn they make Christ their first priority through our example through our willingness to accept it to live it and to exemplify it amen it's so simple but so many people miss it they try to look into something else before you get to this before you get to playing the piano, before you get to playing the guitar, before you get to preaching, before you get to working in the cameras, working in the sound ministry, you must first take on that responsibility of being a follower of Christ. Take on his spirit and be a perfect example of who he is and through that impart his love so the whole world may see and so the whole world may come to him. Twofold, be like Christ so that everyone else will be like Christ. Amen? So, through this, we start to see that the more we are like Christ, the more we actually end up doing the works that he did. So what did Christ do? Heal, he taught, he preached, he redeemed, he restored, he saved. So in the more that we become like Christ, we don't even need to worry about the keys. We don't even need to worry about the microphone. We don't even need to worry about preparing a message. Because when we become more like Christ, it'll just become part of our nature. It'll become part of us that we'll just impart what Christ gives us into the world. And we'll just give back to God what he has given us. Amen? So, what God wants from us, he wants what we do to be a product of who we are. Remember that. God wants what we do to be a product of who we 
are. We must first be completely transformed, be completely taken up by that spirit inside us, that it becomes an example, that it becomes life, that it becomes real, that when people see it, they see Christ. And then through that same spirit, we start getting into the specifics. We start healing. We start praying. We start interceding. We start preaching. We start proclaiming, prophesying, uh, worshiping, and all of that. But it all starts with the decision to take Christ as your number one so that Christ may be everybody else's number one. And how do we do that? We do it by, by just one simple thing that many people overlook. Many people think that it's just, you know, we have to really just, you know, fast until starvation. Or that we have to, you know, play the piano until our fingers fall off. Or, 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 or pray 24 hours without any sleep or without anything else. But it's just really simple. It's three little words that I want you to remember. God through us. You see, when God is working in you, his spirit and his power becomes eminent. And it comes out of you. And then it's no longer you. It's no longer you working. But it's God through you. So tell your neighbor right now. Let God work through you. So you can show off that Holy Ghost. We need to come to the realization that when we, you know, start taking this walk and that we start doing things for Christ, our flesh dies. It's no longer us. It's God doing his perfect work that he began a long time ago. Before we were in our mother's womb, he knew every single hair on our head. And he began that work, and he's going to finish it. So in that process, we need to let God work through us, and let God work through us, and let God work through us. So that what? So that we may become more like Christ, so that everybody else may make Christ their number one. You see, when we let God work through us, he starts revealing his purpose to us. So we start walking in this walk. And we're like, Christ, this is all on you. You know, just take it all. Just keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. And then he starts putting you in places. He starts putting you as a leader of your church. He starts putting you as a leader in your home. He starts sending you to the world. He starts taking up your family and having them rise with you. He starts changing your life, changing your community, changing your environment, and ultimately, yes, changing the world. This has become so real in my life. That it's just, it's just something that I just gotta, I just gotta, you know, proclaim. I just gotta speak it out because, you know, God is, God is just looking for that willing heart, that willing heart to just say, God, take me, do it. Just do what, do what you want in me. And, and, and for, for so long, you know, I've been in church for like 12 years, no, like 11, right? And, 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 you know, it wasn't really until like, a year and a half ago or like two years ago that, that I finally surrendered. I'm just like, Christ, just, you know, why, why am I even trying to do this on my own? I feel every single time.
just take it. Just take my heart. Do what you want. Do what you will with me, God. Just, I give it up to you, God. I know I'm not perfect. I'm not qualified. But God isn't looking for qualifications. In fact, he's looking for the unqualified so that he may be glorified. And if you think you're qualified, you, you stop thinking that. Because your qualifications are nowhere near God's expectations and God's standards. So that right there in itself, if you think you're a piano player, don't even think you can play for God. Because it's not you that's going to be playing. When it's the things of God, it's at a greater level. It's something unattainable. So we can't do it. It has to be God through us. They told me, Mauricio, write a spoken word. I'm like, what is that? Look at some videos on YouTube. Okay. So I looked at some videos on YouTube. I'm like, I've never taken a poetry class in my life. How in the world am I supposed to do it? Ask Melissa how hard that thing was. But it's okay because we let God work through us. Like, Mauricio, make some monologues with Melissa. All right. I've never made a monologue before. I've never taken an acting class. But okay, God. You just do what you want. People were crying. People were on their faces. Lives were changed. People were restored just because of that willing heart that just said, God, just take it. God, just do your will. God, just take me. Take all of me. I want to serve you. I want to be for you. I want to change the world for you, God. Don't ask me to preach. Stop limiting yourself. Stop limiting yourself. We already, we already went through that. It's not you. It's Christ through you. You tell me what limits Christ has. You tell me if Christ has one thing that he can't overcome. You tell me that Christ can't pick up this building right now and move us into the heart of Africa so we can start, you know, a revival there. So that we can start changing lives, so we can start changing people, start transforming hearts and changing the world for his glory. Just let God work through you. Just let God work through you. And when you let God work through you, you start seeing that that meaningless life that you had with no purpose, with no end, with no result, gets a whole lot more interesting. When you start letting God work through you, you tell me that saving a marriage isn't meaningful. You tell me that restoring a home isn't meaningful. That healing the sick, that transforming a life, that saving a soul, and that changing the world isn't an impact. That it's not something light. That is something that God can only do through us. Something that his spirit can take us to. We can't do it on ourselves. We're not qualified. But it's God through us. His spirit moving through us. His life moving through us. God moving through us to change the world. To make a difference. To change lives. And to transform hearts for his glory. Tell your neighbor. Work that purpose. Work that purpose. Tell them, tell them loud. Work that purpose. It's not you. Tell them, it's not you. It's God through you. So work that purpose. It's really hot up here. All right. And when we start, you know, God just, just, just transforming our lives. God just moving, you know, that perfect work. And, and I saw it so evident when, when we wrote those, uh, those monologues for, for retreat that we went to. We weren't qualified. No, no way. We were not qualified. But God was able to do such a work. God was able to move. And when I see this, I fall flat on my face. I start crying. Because it's just the beginning. 
It's just the beginning to where God wants to take us. And, and when you see people's lives changed, you see people's hearts transformed because of something that you weren't qualified to do, but God put you to do it anyways. That's a reason to praise him. That's a reason to shout out to God. Say, thank you, Lord. Use me. Keep using me. Use me to change the world. Use me to change lives. Use me to change hearts and transform souls for your glory. As the worship team comes up, Or I could stay here all day. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. They told me, Pastor, just literally, Mauricio, preach. All right, Pastor. But I'm going to let you know real quick. It's not going to be me. It's going to be God through me. It's going to be God using his spirit to me. There is not a preacher that I know in my family at all. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, uh, so far, just my direct family right now is the first people that are, you know, finally coming to the ways of God. So, so for God to, you know, transform my life and to take me from that, from that little pit that I was in two years ago and say, Mauricio, you realize that if, if you let me use you, you're going to change the world. You're going to transform lives. And, and that, that realization that, that God can use that spirit inside us to transform lives is incredible. It's something that should not be taken lightly. See, God is so good. God is so good. We don't have to be lost. Thank you. We don't have to be lost looking with the rest of this world. We don't have to be lost trying to find our own solutions in life. We don't have to be, you know, writing a 101-page book and at the end of it all saying, hey, man, I don't know anything, but science can prove a lot of other things for you. We don't have to be like that. You see, everything we need is right here. See, that spirit, that spirit is inside us. That same spirit that 6,000 years ago said, let there be light. And created the most beautiful universe with the most infinite galaxies. That same powerful spirit is inside us. That same spirit that took his people out of Egypt, that parted the Red Sea, is inside us that same spirit that healed the sick that restored lives that changed hearts is inside us we don't have to look any further it's right here and it's right here just let him use you if you guys remember when Nick preached about the good life, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that one phrase that just hits you. You know, all is vanity. The things of this world will not get you any fulfillment, not get you any pleasure, not get you any satisfaction. It definitely won't get you a purpose. But when we look to God, we let him do his perfect work in us then we find that purpose. 
then it becomes revealed to us. Jeremiah 29, 13. You shall seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you give it all to me, I'll make that purpose evident to you. I'll restore your home. I'll change your life. I'll use you as my instrument to change the world. Let yourself be used by God. Because your willingness will touch a heart. It will transform a life. It'll impact a nation. And it'll change the world for his glory. This last verse. He doesn't leave us just, you know, do your work. He gives us, you know, something greater. You do your work for me. And verse 30 in Romans 1. And those he predestined, us, he also called. We start fulfilling that work. Those he called, he also justified. We're getting to the end. You know, we've done God's work. You know, we've justified his name. And those he justified, he glorified. That glory that God will put in your life. He will glorify you if you just let him work through you. Just let God's work come through you and impact everyone. For what? So that you make Christ your number one. So that everyone else makes Christ their number one. Amen. That right there is your purpose. That right there is your calling. You can change that word world into a life, into a soul, into your family, into your workplace, into your campus, into anything, your friends, your talents. God can use his spirit to transform and to change every aspect of your life. If you just go to him with that willing heart, God, use me. Let your work be perfected in me. And let your will be done in my life. Amen. God, we thank you. And we glorify your name, God. For you are great. You are mighty. You are all-powerful, God. And without you, we would be lost. We would be like everyone else in academia, everyone else looking for a solution and realizing that they have nothing, that they have no purpose. But we thank you, God, because you have given us that purpose in your word. You have given us that purpose 2,000 years ago when you sent your son to die on that cross so that we may be redeemed and we may be renewed and that we may have a new purpose to glorify you so that everyone else will glorify you, God. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for this revelation. We thank you for the simplicity of it. We thank you for your spirit that's evident in our lives, that's instilled in our hearts for us to just use it and let you work through us. We thank you, God, because we know that at each and every one of us takes on this calling, takes on this challenge, to let you work through us 
to surrender our will to give it all up to you if one can slay a thousand what can spring of life do what can we do as a body of christ we thank you god we ask that you may instill that thought into our lives that we may glorify you so that everyone else glorifies you and that we may let you work through us and let your spirit shine thank you jesus Praise God, what a word.